0: Welcome back to Association Data Points, where we discuss associations, nonprofits, data, and the people behind the numbers. I'm Erin Peters, here with my co host, Brian Seabacher. Hello, Erin. Hi, Brian. How are you? Great. Wonderful. We are here today with Julie Davis. She's the Senior Director of Workforce and Industry Initiatives at the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Thanks for joining us today, Julie. It is my absolute pleasure. Thanks for asking me. We read a fascinating article that you wrote titled, How to Approach and Support Women's Recruitment and Career Development. So the pleasure is all ours. We definitely want to hear more about that work. Well, I um, am absolutely happy to talk with
1: you about that. It was definitely, I would say, a highlight of my year last year um, doing that research, probably the most personally impactful uh, research that I have ever done. I, I guess I'll let me start by telling you why I did it. <laughs> and uh, that really was centered around uh, one of our members that came and had asked if I would be willing to present to their um, women's network and on on women and career development and how to you know recruit and retain women. Um, and I absolutely, You know, love that topic. It was a manufacturer, and definitely we need more women in manufacturing. And uh, also being a woman uh, near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I had this immediate and visceral yes reaction. And then after I got done on the phone with them, I also had a very visceral reaction, which was, oh my gosh, I don't want to share my personal lived experience in this space now what am I going to do?
0: Oh, (laughs) interesting.
1: You know, and and a lot of that was because I had run a company for a period of time and had a lot of um, challenging interactions and uh, had a lot of interactions based on the fact that I was a woman in a leadership role. And um, I just, you know, did not want to kind of bring that into this conversation because i just was like well i don't you know i don't want to share this and i'm uncomfortable with that and so um to kind of still have the opportunity to to have this conversation i thought you know what i'm going to do what we all do when we want to say something but we don't want to be the ones to say it i'm going to go to all of the women i'm going to ask for their input Mm -hmm. and that was that was going to be my workaround in how to have a different conversation than the one that I felt like needed to be had. <laughs> so right. true confessions.
0: Yeah. And did you find through the work that you were driven to to sort of talk about your personal experience then?
1: Well, um, I think what I found uh, at the end of this, as I was reading all of the um, very heartfelt, sincere Authentic uh, answers that the women gave in my survey is that my experience was absolutely the experience of other of every other woman that was here. You know, they they had the same experience as me. They have lived with the same experience as me, um, and it was it was not only super empowering for me to have had that experience. Um, it was also a statement about how we as women. Um, maybe isolate ourselves and don't share the reality of some of the things that we go through because we don't feel like it is, um, we don't feel like there's space to have those conversations. Uh, And so it was a dual learning moment for me, right? Is A, I'm not alone. And B, if we talked about this, we would realize that
0: we're not alone. Mm -hmm. And as part of that work that you did here, I believe you got so many responses that you had to split this into two articles. We did. And and I want to share
1: um, just to put this in context, what the questions that were that I asked in this survey, because they are not um, rocket science questions, right? It was not my intent to make a survey that women spent 55 minutes on average, taking time to fill out sure. which is what they did. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Um, but the, there were five questions. Uh, first was, what was most impactful in helping your car- grow your career? The second question was, what is the largest element missing from any workplace that is crucial to supporting the advancement of women and what solution would you suggest? The third question was, what advice would you give to leaders and employers on how they can help women rise in their careers and or in the industry? The next question was Do you believe you experienced discrimination or harassment in the workplace based on being a woman? And if yes, did you take any action? And then the last one was simply an open one where it said, Do you have any any other comments on this subject? So, again, um, some pretty general questions about just, you know, hey, what has worked for you? Um, You know, what has helped in growing your career? If you could say anything to, you know, your leaders in your organization, what would that be? So, um, again, pretty open questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I sent it out to um, all of the women in AEM um, they, and asked them to share it with their uh women in their personal networks. Um, I put it on my LinkedIn account and invited anybody who was part of my LinkedIn network um, to also share. And then I sent it to the manufacturer that had asked me to, um, you know, share this work, and I invited them to share it with their women. And so I got about 55 uh, women that responded and i i wrote those articles based on that response and i I just want to share with you that um there's another association that contacted me um, about the articles and said hey we want to give you a heads up that we have been researching the same topic over the last i I think year or year and a half they have interviewed 700 women in small groups in north america and canada um, in construction Mm-hmm. and they said we wanted to share that we have been doing this research and here's the base and here's how we've done it and he said because we didn't want you to feel like we had just copied you because the results that we got back from our research was exactly the results you got back from your research unbelievable <laughs> yes and wow. i felt really great that they had reached out to tell me that because 55 uh, women in a sample survey, you know, it was a good number of women to have taken the amount of time and to put into this survey what they did, but it's still not necessarily a representative sample. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this other organization had 700 women in Canada and North America um, and their results were, you know, very much the same results I had gotten, uh, just really validated, again, the
0: statement that these women were making. Yeah, the really powerful data. Was there anything that, so based on the feedback, was there anything that was particularly surprising to you or anything that stood out? Um, I think what was really surprising to me, and again,
1: I, I kind of put it into the, to the article, was this idea that women were extremely articulate and extremely knowledgeable in what helped their careers grow and what helped them advance. Um, And it was, you know, part of this um, in as I look at the conclusions that I drew from that is that, you know, is it that we need to think about how we change women, or is it that we need to think about how we change, how we run our business? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that for uh, many years, there has been this ongoing conversation about how women in the workplace need to change and how they need to, you know, somehow adapt these more masculine traits um, or these more considered traditionally, you know, masculine professional um, characteristics. And as I did this research, um, what What I really found that came out to the surface is that organizations that focus on rewarding collaboration, teamwork, trust, are actually organizations that um, achieve higher than those organizations that are rewarding individualism, self-interest, and game-playing. And so these very uh, qualities that I think women maybe have a a higher tendency towards, these um, these qualities of collaboration and relationship building, and, and working in teams, uh, establishing trust, um, those are those are qualities that actually help a organization succeed much better than some of those things that you know kind of like let's um, really reward that individualism. So I thought that was an interesting takeaway for me. And then uh, the other piece of this is, are we even asking women, you know, as a business, have you taken the time to get your get to know your employees, um, to understand what your current workplace culture is for women? Have you asked questions? Have you done some internal surveys? Have you, you know, done some observation? And then have you, you know, made changes based on the feedback that you've gotten? Because I'll tell you, all of these women from all of these different locations, they really knew and understand, they understood what it was that would help them be more successful.
0: That's really interesting. I I hadn't thought that there's that kind of metacognition piece to this. So they already knew without having the the opportunity perhaps to discuss that in a larger setting or with a particular support?
1: Yeah, I mean, and there were definitely themes, uh, which I can kind of walk you through some of what those themes were. And uh, the only way that I divided um, these women, I, again, the only personal descriptive uh, quality that I asked them to identify was what what decade they were in, were they in their twenties or thirties or forties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to do that simply because I wanted to see, I think first off, if uh, discrimination had changed over the decades, like are we making progress? And then I wanted to see if there were any things that helped women in their twenties that was different than helped women advance in their forties.
0: Great questions.
1: So let me just um, kind of run through these questions and share with you. Um, and, and again, I, I after I had read all of these statements that were so well, well said, um, part of the way that I have been really intentional about sharing this is by using um, actually the words from the women themselves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've picked a handful, that I feel like are really reflective answers um, for each of these questions and, and they will be in these women's words. So the first question was, what was most impactful in helping you grow your career? And uh, really came out with these themes of being mentored, being sponsored, um, having people you know, help them build networks. Uh, and so, you know, sp- Supportive leadership, honest and candid communication. So that feedback that was supportive feedback, especially in their 20s, was very helpful. Um, you know, like, hey, tell me what I need to do and how I need to do it and, and let me kind of go through that. And then having a strong mentor that is encouraging yet constructively critical to help me do my best was another statement that came through that I felt like really um, captured a lot of the sentiments. Uh, Many people saying taking ownership for my own career development. So again, um, there is no easy way to do this. You have to own your own career, Um, no shortcuts on that. And then also somebody um, saying being given opportunities to present to leadership that are being mentored and being mentored by strong female leaders early in my career. So this idea of being sponsored and mentored and then given feedback so that we can know how to grow and develop. Uh, very critical in, um, you know, certainly in the 20s and 30s, that was feedback that came back, uh, that mentorship. When women were older in their 40s and 50s, then they're looking at that sponsorship.
0: Great. And I can see, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, and so I'm kind of thinking back. I don't think in my 20s or 30s, I, I don't know, maybe my 30s, I would have known how to ask. For that opportunity, um, who to go to or or what language to use or that that was even available. I think it's dependent on where you you're working at the time, um, but glad to see that that those conversations are happening. Did you get a sense of the origin of those conversations from those responses? So so were those women reaching out to request mentorship opportunities or were they did they have people coming to them with those opportunities? I think it
1: was a real mixed uh, bag there, and I think that the I think that there were less mentorship, um, less of a tone of it being a formal mentorship, mm-hmm. and more of a tone of it being a informal mentor. Uh, So connecting with somebody who was a leader in their organization. And, you know, a lot of them mentioned, you know, strong women leaders, but there were a number of them that mentioned, you know, that they had somebody that was a mentor to them that was, you know, a male. And so, again, I think it is having that person that can help open some doors and give you some good feedback and uh, kind of help you take that next step. Um, For, you know for myself i look at that and say what is the message to the organization you know are we able to set up some mentorship programs so that this you know the employees that we have in their 20s are able to make that connection faster because you know again as an organization if we know that mentorship and relationships are something that help women advance and grow in their careers why wouldn't we want to facilitate
0: that right lay down the path remove the friction points make it really transparent that that's an opportunity and and that it, um there's a there's a great return on on that investment in in people and in your workforce exactly exactly so the,
1: the second question that we had was, um, what is the largest element missing from any workplace that is, crit- that is crucial to supporting the advancement of women and what solution would you suggest? And um, one woman wrote this, it's, she said, it starts with organizational leaders and middle managers really taking a hard look at how their core values and behavior policies and practices are playing out in the everyday lived experience of people at work. It comes down to value of inclusion, respect and recognition of having individual identities with unique needs, and needs that change over the course of careers and life phases. And so, you know, I think that that is really like, hey, step one, take a look, take a real look at you know, what your core values and behaviors um, look like in your organization. Are people able to be their authentic selves um, and be included and respected and recognized? Uh, Because women bring some real value to organizations. Uh, You know, if you look at the, again, research shows that if an organization has 30% or more uh, women in their top leadership positions, their financial success usually increases. Um, And I think I want to say it's like 15% uh, return on investment or like beyond uh, Mm. a, a similar organization without women in their leadership. So the diversity of thought and perspective that women bring to an organization is incredibly valuable for that organization, but it's only valuable when women are able to be their authentic self, right? When mm-hmm. you can really bring those perspectives, when you can bring that thought uh, into your space. Mm-hmm. So um, I, thought, I thought that she just really articulated that. And then the fact that um, women in particular have changing needs and uh, the ability to contribute differently over the course of their life phases. Right. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and you just can't pretend that that's not a reality for Mm -hmm. women. You know, when we're in our child caring years, um, that's a space that we're in. And most women are like fully embrace of that. Uh, and then when our kids get older, we're able to contribute a little bit more at work. Uh, that is, that's
0: just a true thing for Mm -hmm. women. I love so. to see that called out in your article too. I have a um, almost 10 year old boy and uh, what you said even with with households that the the duties are pretty well divided uh, if you have you know both parents who are working full-time a lot of that onus for the the parenting running the households and things like that fall to women um, even if if not uh, on purpose yes. And, and, and you know again, as we look at how do
1: we help women grow their co- career, how do we support women in the workplace, um, all of those things are simply, you know, like if we want authentic women, we need to be authentic about what their experience is and then how do we help them, you know, navigate that or how do we support them in that or simply understand that this is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the spot that they're at right now. So
2: sure clearly saying no token representation we can that's that's not enough
1: yeah and you know a lot of their um, advice for their employers and the leaders really kind of center on what does it mean to be a woman in the industry and some of that advice uh, was put women in, put women in the room always mm-hmm. right how many i i have been in the room many times where i am the only woman Um, learn different forms of communication Uh, that is another statement i think uh, as we talk about how do we help women be successful in the workplace it's not just about women conforming to this idea of what business has looked like over the past hundred years provide flexibility, teleworking, parental leave, et cetera, for everyone. And again, trying to take the, the needs of women and where they're at, and that flexibility, um, and realize that, you know, hey, it's not just women that would benefit from this, you know, there's plenty of dads out there um, who are, you know, in a space where they would be very happy to take advantage of that.
2: Absolutely. I, I do that myself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I like how you I like hearing the words uh, that you've, you've used a couple times, this idea of values and behavior in a company that those really have to be at the crux of these discussions. It's great to have an action plan and, and to make steps forward, but dialing in on that foundational place I think it, it sounds like that's what really helps to, to make people feel comfortable or lay that ground to, to be your authentic self at work.
1: It definitely, it's, you know, what are your organizational values and then how are they expressed in your policies and procedures, right? But it really has to start with the core of what do we value um, as an organization uh, and then, how do we? How do those values play out into the lives of our employees? And again, um, these are these are challenging things for employers. But what I will say is that expectations of employers have changed dramatically in the last couple of years. Right post COVID, uh, people came back and they had had a different um, work experience. And they were looking to continue that, uh, you know, kind of work-life balance difference that had, you know, happened during COVID. And now that expectation is, we want this. We know that there is, you know, some flexibility that can happen. How can you provide that to us? And so, you know, thinking about as an employer, are you going to figure that out? Um, if you do, you will become a uh, desirable destination for workers. Right, so workers will know that about you, find that out about you, and they will be more likely to want to come and be employed by you. For employers who are not willing to take that on and wrestle with those issues and really think about how are you know a do we have core values as an organization, b how do those core values um, you know play out in the lives of our employees? If you're an employer who doesn't want to have to hassle with that that will show up in your retention and recruitment and so you know although these are kind of heavy issues that maybe some folks have avoided dealing Mm -hmm. with um they are they're playing out in recruitment and retention
2: these are clearly workforce issues
1: yes not you know not soft and fuzzy uh these these really kind of come and play out in some really interesting ways when we talk about recruitment and retention. So um, one other statement when it comes to advice to leaders and employers um, that I thought was just really well said is a woman said, understand that women have different societal pressures and expectations than men. Be aware that we have barriers to overcome physically, psychologically, and emotionally that men do not. That childcare often falls on the mother regardless of her support system. Additionally, please stop singling us out for diversity and inclusion. We are not your poster children. (laughs) Provide us some, you know, same opportunities for advancement that our male counterparts have. Invite us to the Gulf and hunting and fishing outings and be sure to consider other activities that are more female friendly. Mm -hmm. And again, I think we kind of talked about this, uh, just being real about the differences between women and men.
0: Mm
2: So you work at an organization that has recently made a change in leadership and is now headed by a woman for the first time. Is that uh, have, has, How has this been received within the organization and uh, does, does this play into that in any way?
1: Uh, so I can't speak for the whole organization. I can only speak for myself. And I am absolutely delighted to be in an organization that has a strong woman leader, um, I am even more delighted to be in this organization, uh, knowing that the industry sectors that we serve are male-dominated, and we have a woman that is, you know, speaking to the leaders uh, of our members and reminding them uh, the role and um, just impact that a strong woman can bring to the industry into perspective. And so, I I could not be more thrilled myself.
2: That's great. So
1: I guess, um, that is, that's kind of where I'll speak to that, but I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic because it is a constant reminder of the value that a woman can bring to the industry.
2: I think it's also an endorsement from the industry who, you know, they, they have a lot to say about who is going to lead their trade organization. And, you know, they deliberately made this pick. So I think hopefully that indicates there is, you know, that, you know, your message is being received here. And that I think within leadership, this is definitely a concern and they, you know, they want to see things improve.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and I think about the kind of the skills gap that our industry, you know, manufacturing specifically has as they're looking forward. And I I would say on average, there is about 800,000, jobs that are empty in manufacturing across um, the grid at any point in time, according to Deloitte. And, you know, Deloitte did this this research uh, about what happens when we open up the talent pool and invite women in right now, um, women make up about 40% or 47% of the US labor force as a whole. Mm -hmm. But they're only 29% of the manufacturing workspace. Um, What Deloitte found is if you could move that 25% representation of women to 35, or I'm sorry, 29% of uh, representation of women to 35% of the manufacturing workforce being women, you would literally fill that uh, 800,000 job gap space. So you would close the skills gap by raising the amount of women represented in manufacturing workforce by six percent. Wow. To me, that was a shocking thing. I was like, okay, that really sends a a message that, um, you know, when women are making up 47 percent of the workforce, how do we close that skills gap? We need to invite, you know, the other half of the population to be a part of the conversation. Nothing so.
2: executives love more than a nice, clear answer.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, when it comes to women, and I'm going to, you know, kind of get off of the survey for just a second, I'll go back to it. But I have to say that there are some very tactical ways that that companies can invite women to be there. And part of it is looking at the language that they're using in their job posting overly masculine language and job postings can indicate an overly masculine culture, which again is not appealing to women. So how are you you posting, what are the words that you're using in your job posting? Um, Example of that is just very simple, uh, more female friendly language, words like adaptable and creative versus assertive and direct in a a word posting. and then the other part of that is minimizing those essential requirements. So if you're posting a job, uh, you know, research shows that women only apply for jobs if they meet 100% of the requirements that are listed, uh. versus men who will apply if they meet 60% of the requirements. So really understanding what are what are essential things that you need. And then what are desired, mm-hmm. and then leaving the desired skills for the in- the interview. Otherwise, you're
0: you're already um, eliminating women from even applying for the job. Uh, that man. is a fascinating data point. You can't see me, but I my eyebrows are raised and I'm I'm nodding my head. Um, that women look for a hundred percent versus men looking for sixty percent of of meeting the qualifications listed, and I I fall into that. I'm thinking through my career and, um, I'm, I'm an, what's the phrase atypical hire?
2: No, you're, that's not it. You're, you're a non-traditional,
0: non-traditional. That's it. A non-traditional hire. I have a music background. I was an educator. Uh, and then now I'm working in, in the tech space somewhere I never thought I would be. And if I had looked at, a job posting that was full of jargon and some of those, Ugh. those more, you know, sort of male words or, or sorry, Julie, I'm kind of ruining how you said it. Um, that more masculine language and I didn't meet a hundred percent of the requirements, which I would not have. I, there's no way I would have moved past very quickly and I've been here for three years and I absolutely love it. And I have incredible growth opportunity. Um, And that would have been a real miss.
1: Yes, it is. um, You know, when we're inviting women into changing lanes, really Mm -hmm. we need to be really um, careful about how we do that. And we really need to look at, you know, how do we make this a good fit for their lives, skills, talents, and interests versus and I always love the analogy of or the question that is asked of when you were in your twenties, were you working in the job that you absolutely wanted to get and it was, you know, like your dream job? No. Most of us in our twenties, we were working in the job that we could get, Mm -hmm. right? And so and yet we're always in when we're when we're you know taking job applications, we're we're evaluating people on the job that they could get not on the job that they would love and so we need to be really careful about how in this workforce shortage time period we're evaluating people and making sure that we're giving them room to basically change lanes so anyway that was a side path but certainly one that uh, kind of fit this conversation
2: today a side oh, path, but a related Great. one i'd say
0: yeah, and it brings to mind that phrase when you're talking about people in their twenties. Uh, it brings to mind that phrase, kind of paying your dues. And I, I really like what you're talking about. Gets away from that when you're talking about hiring. You're looking at the potential where that person could go, with the idea that you are vital and you can contribute. Uh, at a high level, from your first day on the job in your twenties, and given that opportunity for a clear and direct path through mentorship, uh, I, I think is is just incredible.
1: Yeah, it's you know, and I think younger people are having a higher expectation of not having the pay your dues experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want to come in; they're smart; they want to contribute. They're bringing a different perspective, and if we're not um, helping, if we're not giving them the space to do that, we're probably missing a lot of opportunities for innovation and you know new ways of looking at things. So again, you have to ask yourself, what kind of employer do you want to be? Do you want to be an employer that is leveraging um, you know bright minds early on, or do you want to be the type that is holding fast to the old fashioned rule of you know? I I don't want to hear from you until you're, you know, three rungs up the ladder. Um, so again, just perspective.
2: Oh, that's, you are missing all the energy that that person could bring and all the new perspective. And yeah, I think those organizations are going to be left behind and usually are.
1: Yeah. And you know, there is, there is truth to the fact that young professionals, um, need to develop some of that business acumen that, you know, those of us who spent more time here have maybe.
2: Oh, even, even (laughs) us people up up the chain could learn those things from time to time too.
1: (laughs) That is true. That is true. Um, but that's where, you know, mentorship really comes in. How do we help these people move forward faster? How do we help women move forward faster? Um, and that is through, you know, some, some of that mentorship and networking and sponsorship and support uh, that I think that, um, you know, relationship building that women kind of look to do naturally. Mm -hmm. All right, so we are on question four, um, which is the question about um, discrimination or harassment in the workplace. And this is the one that I specifically wanted to divide out by age group. Mm -hmm. and kind of see if there was a progression. And uh, what I will say is there is definitely a a change over the age groups. Um, I think, you know, folks that answered that were in that, you know, 20s phase had some examples that they shared. And again, before we get too far down the road, um, I just want to say that this question was worded. It was the only question in the survey that was worded as a yes or no answer. You know, have you experienced any discrimination or harassment based on being a woman? Yes or no. You know that you could answer that yes or no. Mm-hmm. And if so, did you report it? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of yes or no, I got a lot. <laughs> oh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, Again, women in their 20s shared some uh, experiences about being diminished and maybe, you know, not taken seriously and things like that, Um, which, again, still valid. Don't want to undermine that. Um, Women in their 30s had a little bit more uh, examples that might be a little bit more hard hitting, and some of them were definitely um, serious. I, I had somebody say that, you know, they were, you know, definitely harassed in, in some ways that, you know, like people use their pictures and, you know, just refer to them as a little girl on the job site and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so definitely there were some more in the 30s. By the time I got to folks that were in their 40s and 50s, um, it, they were almost like, of course, we have, right? It's oh, <laughs> like, yeah. That's almost, yeah, almost. It was like in their forties. They had um, this, like, we have, we have survived this. We have, you know, soldered through this. We, you know, like this mentality of almost like a road warrior. Of yes, but you know, here we are. We have overcome this.
2: Like that was a, I, an achievement of some sort.
1: Yes. It was like, hey, we we did this. And by the time I got to the fifties, um, it was almost like I should be ashamed of myself for as having asked this question. <laughs> mm-hmm. So some of this, um, you know, one of the women one of the women I'm looking at the responses, which I just had to laugh. She was like, Of course I have. Like, why would you think differently? Uh (laughs) And so, um, but again, those women in the 50s really talked about how they have seen change over um, a period of time and the level of discrimination that they described, um, not being paid the same as their male counterpart and being told that it was because they were a female, you know, um, not being promoted Because, again, they were a woman and the conversation was, you know, just you're a woman and, you know, this is how it's going to be for you. There was just real blatant, you know, you're a woman in this space. Therefore, this is as good as you can get. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just being able to see that there was change. What I what I found to be the most fascinating in this survey is of those 55 women Um, 75% of them had said that they had experienced some kind of discrimination or harassment. Of those 75%, only five women said that they took action. Mm -hmm. Two of those women said that they were fired because they had taken that action. Two of those women said that there was nothing that their organizations did. Only one out of all 55 of those women said that they had taken action and they had found a satisfactory result from that action. To me, that was the most revealing piece of information that I had gotten in this section.
0: Yes. And was that along the lines of what you hypothesized? Or I don't know if you you kind of had a hypothesis going into it of what you might find. I think what struck me is that I
1: distinctly remember a moment in my 40s where I was sitting across from somebody um, having a conversation about a good amount of money Um, and it was a situation where I realized very suddenly that I needed to not only navigate closing the sale but I also needed to navigate doing it in a way that I did not, um, A, sacrifice my integrity, and B, um, have this person no longer do business with us, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) so all of a sudden I was like, I, I left that meeting and I thought, nobody told me that I was going to have to have this job skill of walking a fine line between protecting myself and and closing the sale and not alienating this person, and I was like, I I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't yeah. prepared. Mm-hmm. I felt panicked in that moment. And um, when I read through some of these answers, I was like, yes, these women have all had those moments, and uh, you know, it was it was interesting. Um, one of these women said, and this was quote from her, from my perspective, it's unfair and unrealistic to pretend bias and harassment doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Not preparing women to deal with it effectively, um, effectively in the manufacturing workplace will cause women to leave thinking that it may somehow be different or better elsewhere. So having tools to know how to diffuse a situation while maintaining and setting boundaries with the customer relationship in a friendly yet forthright way, instead of having to figure it out on
0: my own and feeling very alone, would have been incredibly helpful. I, I can't agree more. I, you know, and listening to this. So I started my professional life in the education field, which is in the K-12 space, largely uh, dominated by, by women and even brings to mind, I was in my early twenties. I had a great first round interview. There's five people on the panel to come to the second round. We went and sat outside the room and I remember hearing very clearly She's newly married. How do we know she's not going to just get pregnant and leave the position? And being in my early 20s, I knew it wasn't great, but I didn't know fully that that was wrong, very, very wrong uh, for them to say. And I certainly was not equipped to, to come back against that.
1: And again, this is one of those situations where why do we as, as organizations, not prepare women with the tools that they might need if they're in these situations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. We prepare them with training of every other sort. And yet we let them get in these situations where all of a sudden you're scrambling to come up with the right way to handle it and you have no tools to pull from. And so I just I thought, you know, again, how do we want to support women in this space what an intriguing idea to have even a conversation with other women who might have had some experiences to share about how did you handle that? What did you say when you walked away? What is it? What is it that you wish you would have done differently or said differently? Right. Instead of just letting women all have to reinvent this wheel on the fly um, in situations that are, you know, awkward at best and dangerous at worst. So.
0: Right. And to have that opportunity to have the conversation rather than in my case, going back to my car and, and just sort of like gripping the steering wheel and thinking, what, what yeah. was that? And there is, there is actually, um, a,
1: a couple of comments in there that, um, you know, our pe- women who have gotten to that next, like that next setting, and also just been like, Oh, my gosh, did that just happen? Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to process it after the fact, because in that moment, you don't know what to do. And so um, I think that that just is an opportunity for organizations to ask themselves, is there something that we could do in this space? Um, You know, are there is this happening in a women's network? Can we create a women's network where women can have this opportunity to have honest conversations with each other and support each other. Because part of that situation happening is the you're alone. And you question the validity of your own feelings. In that moment, did this really happen to me? Was this discrimination or harassment? Am I reading this right? Did I handle it right? And if you're not in a relationship or you don't have any kind of support around you that you can ask those questions, you end up feeling very isolated
0: and unsure. Yes. Yes. And then the, the famous, am I making too big a deal out of this? There's definitely some
1: women who wrote that very word down too. Yes. mm -hmm. So, and then the last question, which was just simply opening it up for other comments. Um, Other comments that women made were, get to know your employees and have current workplace culture for women. Ask questions, survey, observe, provide opportunities and make changes based on feedback. Again, that to me is the base of what every company should do. Um, Have clear standards, clear and fair standards for advancement, pay professionalism and disciplinary actions. What are you going to do in these situations? Is this laid out? Do your policies and procedures support your, you know, your values of your organization? Communicate with us to discuss our uh, our career plans and goals, and then provide women with opportunities to learn and grow into some of those goals at our present place of employment. So are we talking with women about what they want to do? And are we helping them, you know, have goals and then reach those goals? And then actively invest in making the workplace easier for women to navigate through flexible options and positive collaborative environments. So again, all of these things that women are saying in the survey, I'm like, they know. They
0: know what they need. Mm -hmm. Are we asking them? um, And if we're not asking them, why are we not asking them? Julie, thank you so much for sharing your work with us, for doing this work, uh, for coming on today to share it with us and to start building those bridges from, like you said, what women know and what we need to do.
1: Absolutely. It is, it is my pleasure. And this is certainly a space where, uh, like I said, um, doing this research has been extremely impactful on me personally and uh, really having the opportunity to share the words of these women who are being very um, wise and authentic is really my privilege so thank you for asking me to be here
0: and we'll have julie's articles linked in the show notes that you can check those out and we'll thank you so much for coming on association data points
2: thank you julie thank you association data points is brought to you by hargrove and associates since 1985 we've helped associations serve their most critical member data needs by collecting producing and delivering exclusive market information You can visit us online at hargrovedata.com.